This show is sponsored by Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus lets you binge on thousands of hit shows, including your favorite anime, anytime, anywhere, on your TV, PC, smartphone, or tablet. Support this podcast and get an extended free trial of Hulu Plus when you go to HuluPlus.com forward slash anime. That's HuluPlus.com forward slash anime. And at the moment where Cram is talking about his rage of how he's raging about this rape, we are literally having an earthquake, and I believe that it is due to Cram's rage. And it's not... It's not Your a, mom's downstairs. It's not a small earthquake either. My mom's downstairs probably freaking out. Oh my god! My oh my god! Oh my god, what's happening? <laughs> listen to the song Vivid from the anime Blood Lad by the artist Mayan. This is episode 188 of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, where our sole mission is and always will be what, boys? To make your anime addiction worse. Yay! You intercepted it right at the end. I slipped it in there. You like that? You, you slipped it in there? Just the tip. I am joined by... Mitsugi and Kram, my fellow co-host. Yo, 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 Kram here. What's up? Hey, Mitsugi here. Doing good on a uh, on a Sunday morning in Japan, having a coffee. A little Woo-hoo. hot. It's a little bit hot. It's getting hot in here. Yeah, I'm sweating on the way over. I think it's I think it's nice. You can find us at aapodcast.com, iTunes. Don't forget to drop us a rating on iTunes, especially if you like us. Facebook.com forward slash Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast, where you can give us a like on Facebook. And get all of our updates from both Japan and of new upcoming episodes. And twitter.com forward slash AA podcast. Search for us at, at AAA podcast. Also, where we post stuff from Japan and broadcasting stuff, live. You know, you know, various things. Stuff. Japan stuff. And Ustream.tv, where we broadcast live at 9.30 p.m. on Saturdays. But if we have to change the time, like us on Facebook, because then you know. It's 9.30 p.m. EST. Yes, EST. 10.30 a.m. JST. But if you can remember AAA Podcast, you can find the links to all of those. How are you guys feeling today? Doing good? How's everybody in the chat? How everybody watching is feeling good? I'm getting sick, I think. Oh, no. 
Really? Think, you can't I get think, sick. I think I'm getting the plague. You know you know what might make you feel better? What? A five-star review from iTunes. Oh, okay. So, Salty Lazy writes, I love your reviews. I'm somewhat new to podcast listening, maybe around three months. Aw, you're new. Welcome. Just, j- just a mere babe in the woods. And I am already loving the anime discussions you guys have. I work a somewhat boring desk job. I hear ya. And listening to you guys makes work enjoyable. Oh, yay. Especially that episode of The Church of Mitsugi and his rants on anime. Thank you very much. I think you have a new convert. I nearly bursted out laughing and my coworkers were looking at me funny as I chuckled. I love how consistent your reviews are and that you aren't afraid to dive into a two-hour podcast. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Salty Lazy, for your five-star review on iTunes. Thank you for listening. That, that touches my heart. See, everyone really likes the Church of Mitsugi ranting. You know, Cram might hate it. Do, do they? Do, does everyone? Well, you know, one person does. Okay. Okay. And even though and I... one person is clearly everyone. And even though yes. I offended 100 people during that episode, probably. Well, they say one like, person liked it. They say it. one person represents 100, so maybe you've got 100 fans. Oh, well, thank you. I, I, uh... That would be a very nice congregation. <laughs> All right. Welcome, new forum members. Okabe1412, Fac, Fox, Faw, Foe, Foe, Lotus. Lotus. There you go. Lemmy7003, and Alchemist007. Alchemist I can read. Alchemist007 is my name of the week. I'll take Foe Lotus because you messed it up. <laughs> and so I am not interested in either of these other names. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull a. Uh, fine, I'll take Okabe because I recognize it from anime. Yay! Watch Fo Lotus write in and be like, uh, actually, it's Fox Lotus. You you actually pronounce the X? <laughs> I'm not French. It's Fox Lotus. Gosh. So Gosh. trivia again was pretty hard. You told me to make it hard. That's good. It was hard. Yeah, we're getting towards the end of our 26 week point total contest on the for- on the website so having these harder questions is a good is a, is a good way to round out the uh the, the 26 weeks so the answer for this past trivia was akunohana and those who got it right were astrophysics zin one is not try is, is is no try is no try is no try and tanoshi and the winner for the week was Zin One. None of which are watching live, so kind of. Oh well. Well, good job anyway. The theme continues to be landscapes, and I think we have two more questions left. This question, and then the next one. Are they difficult? Uh, oh, astrophysics one, is here. Astrophysics is here. Sorry. This one is. Uh, I think this week's is is a little bit easier, and then the last one is 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 bone crushingly hard. Awesome. So I was taking my mother around Tokyo because she came to visit Japan. Right, Mitsugi's mom is here. Mitsugi yes. loves his mommy. I have I have put her in a cage downstairs so so, so <laughs> oh she God. can so she can not disturb the podcast. Lo- loves and, uh, loves his his mommy. And uh, <laughs> and we and we were uh, at Tokyo Tower, you know, doing tourist stuff, and I uh, saw this figure shop in Tokyo Tower. Don't know why it was there. And I saw this Goku. San, 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 Goku. We already have a Goku on the podcast table, but this Goku is a Super Saiyan 2 Goku, and it was only $26 brand new. 
you could totally bludgeon and someone to death with this. I'm holding it up in the camera. It's about it's about ten inches tall, maybe. Yeah, something like that. And but the, the, the amazing thing about it is how heavy it is. It feels like a solid piece of wood or something. Yeah, it's substantial. And I mean, you could honestly, you would have no problem bludgeoning someone's head, head in with a figure. Or stabbing them. Yeah, the hair yeah. is nuts. Super Saiyan 2 has, in fact, sharp hair. This is a weapon. You yes. can't take this on an airplane. So, But it looks very nice. And so the figure for the day is Super Saiyan 2 Goku. And he looks like he got a tan. Is, was Super Saiyan 2 always so tan? Look looks, at him. Looks kind of like a sunburn to me. Well, you have a sunburn, Cram. I so, do have uh, a sunburn. You would know. I don't know if you can see it. I don't know if you can see it on the camera. I'm taking off my hat. Yeah. Oh, don't take off your hat. You're gonna blind the camera with the shine. Ah. All right. It's time for an oh. almighty anime mailbag. Oh, Cram said nothing. Back, 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 back. That's fine. That, that, I'm used to the hate. Did I, did I hurt your feelings? Or the AAA mailbag. If you want to submit a mailbag, you can go to our main page at aaapodcast.com, and there is a tab called Mailbag. Under that same tag, by the way, you can also submit things to Chiaki's Bag of Love, which is relationship and dating advice from yours truly, or Mitsugi's The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. By the way. We have a kid Goku and a, and a full-size adult Goku standing, standing next to each other on the podcast table. Is there going to be like a wormhole it's going to open? Space-time continuum is going to rip and existence will end everything. The universe and... The adult life. Goku was $26. The kid Goku was $3. <laughs> Even though he's bigger than the adult Goku for some reason. So, who wants to read a mailbag? I'll do it. Oh, okay. You want you, you want to want John Ken for it? All right, let's do it. Sideshow Goo, John Ken. Boy. I won. Right, go ahead. There you go. Codename Sailor B, who's in the chat, hello, hello, writes, Hi all, not sure if you've discussed this on the show before, but I was wondering what your thoughts were on anime-esque shows from the U.S. and other countries like France and Canada. For example, Avatar the Airbender, The Legend of Korra, Totally Spies, Teen Titans, and the upcoming Ladybug. Are, you, are they considered anime to you, cartoons, or a little bit of both? And of course, do you enjoy them? Thanks guys, love the show. Thank you for the submission. Uh, I know Avatar is supposed to be really good. Except the movie. Yeah, we did watch that, didn't we? That Ava- was together. awful. We didn't. Did we actually? Fi- we watched it. together. It was, yes, we yes, did finish we it. it. Well, I must have fallen asleep because yeah, it, it was, was god awful. So bad. I drank. We we were gonna we were gonna have a drinking game where we drank where every time something awful happened. Oh, we were just, I mean, and, there was... we just drank. Get the ambulance like, ready. They just Food ran. Poisoning. The badness just ran yeah. into each, each each other. Like, all of the bad moments just ran into each it other. So there was, was no like point drinking, in which... Drinking, drinking, drinking. Yeah, like, oh, that my was bad. God, oh, there's more this bad. is it just, awful. Drinking, drinking. It drink. never stops being Next bad. Drink. <laughs> uh, my blood alcohol um, level is 0.5. Call the hospital. But um, for me, I, we, we've talked about this a little before, so I won't say too much, but it's been a while since we have... Um, for me, they're not truly anime. True anime to me is created and produced in Japan. And I know Japan outsources a bunch of stuff too, but it needs like that Japanese company heading it and doing the characters and writing the story and whatnot. And those to me are not, they're anime style. They're animations done in an anime style, but they're not true anime to me. And I don't say that in a way that like, God, they're not true anime, so Elitist. they suck. 
Like, I don't mean it like that. It's just a, a definition for me, and they don't meet the definition. But I have heard Avatar, and from what I've seen of it, is really good. What about East-West co-productions? Um, like, because to me, something like uh, Vamp- Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust, which was a, a U.S.-Japan co-production, that's, that's anime to me. I think, I think it, it counts. I think it depends on how much, like... For me, it's it's hard to draw the line, but I think it depends on how much involvement the Japanese side has, and then where the original source material's from, and who does the concepting and things like that. It's also kind of a feeling, isn't it? Yeah. Because when I watch Bloodlust, I say, "Oh, well, yeah, this is anime." But then I watch Little Nemo, and I'm like, mm, "Not, not yeah. anime, not quite." The things that the things that they try to do and the, the subjects that they tackle in the medium as a whole are, are very different. And I completely agree with that. But I'm not I don't say it in a way that it's not anime and they suck. I love Teen Titans. I think Teen Titans is is incredibly funny. And I've seen the first arc, I would say, of The Last Airbender, and it was good. And I know it, the whole show is supposed to be amazing. Amazing. <laughs> That's what like, they, that everyone says. So I'm. I don't say it in a way that especially I'm especially the Teen on Titan it, fan porn online. Wow, oh wow, tons of that. Realist meets a good job. So I had to, I had to take the reins back somehow because I, I wasn't getting any well anything. Kind of in. on the topic though. In a couple of weeks, we are going to have a topic about um, how anime has influenced uh, Western media. That is correct. And we will be talking about stuff like this. So uh, my my tuned. my answer to the mailbag question is a little more cut and dry. I think that when something is referred to as anime it is re- referred to in that way by Japanese people. And if it, to me, if, if it aired in Japan and had a run here, then you can call it anime. If, if, it, if it was, if it's some show that you watched on Cartoon Network in the States, it's not anime. Japanese people have never heard of it. What if it had a run after? Like Avatar The Last Airbender came over? No, I don't think. Okay. I, I think it should be something that was intended for a Japanese audience. So, so it's it's the intent of the audience. That's interesting. It's a fun line to draw, and it's the only thing that that annoys me is when people draw it in a context that means if it's not anime, it's inherently bad because it's not anime. And that bothers me because, like I said, they're not bad. They might not be anime, but they're not bad. A lot of those shows in Cartoon Network are god awful anyway. So, whatever. Next mailbag question. Go ahead, go ahead, Mr. Cram. You want to you want to junk in for it again? Are you brave? All right, one more time. You ready? Such a good junk in part. All right, you won that time. You just totally ignored Tiaki. <laughs> okay. So Bobots writes, "I've recently watched Free. You know that new anime with competitive swimming. There was quite amount <sighs> quite amount of yaoi undertones without the shoujo bubbles, which for some reason is refreshing. Plus, uh, because the because of the water scenes." Uh, anyway, I want to ask from each host, what are your memorable non-comedy shows that have Yuri or Yaoi undertones? The only two I can come up with are number six and Utena. I'll be looking forward to your answers. So wet. Does, does uh. Utena count? <laughs> I think Utena count. Okay, I'll go first. So there was a recent show that is airing right now, but I haven't watched it, watched it yet because the first season was bad, and that's Hakenden, Eight Dogs of the East. There's some yaoi undertones in that in that anime, and that's currently airing. So maybe that's fresh on your mind. But there's one show that I immediately thought of when I heard this, so I guess... Gundam Wing? No. <laughs> Not Gundam Wing. There's a show that probably no one in the chat has seen, and if anybody has, you can, you know, feel free to be quiet because, you know, you don't want to embarrass yourself. But that's uh, Mir- Mirage of Blaze. It's an old 
very heavy Yowie undertone show that came out, I don't know, a decade or maybe 15 years ago now, and it's kind of like one of those shows where you have modern day people that have the spirits of Edo period, you know, Japanese leaders like like Kenshin Uesugi and uh, Tokugawa, and, they, and then they fight, and then and then they stare lovingly at each other and pin each other up against walls, and you know, it's interesting. Mirage of Blaze, yeah. I okay, obviously Utsuna is the answer, but that was in the question. I like nothing comes to my mind, and I guess it's just because Yaoi Yuri undertones or even overtones don't bother me that much as long as it's not being used as a gimmick. Like as not as long as it's not being used as like a like panty shots would be used or anything right. else. Like watch this show because it has panty shots. Watch this show because it has gay men or or lesbians or something like that. Then I it doesn't stick out in my head and I'm not trying to sound like I'm on a soapbox or something, but it's not like I watch a show and go Oh my god, that show has yaoi undertones. Mm-hmm. I I have to file it in my yaoi bank. Like, so I'm sure I've watched things and it's hard. Yeah, yeah, I can't. I, it's had it, and it's I hard just for me to pull was them out like, of my head, yeah. okay, whatever. They those those two boys wanna wanna have happy time. Yeah, I in agree. The bedroom. Uten is my answer too. <laughs> also, Gundam Wing. Yeah, Gundam Gundam Wing definitely. Okay, so I have one more announcement to make before we get into the main show here. Uh Mm. So it's that time of year again, and for the third year in a row, we are going to do the AAA Podcast Fantasy Football League. And I know Cram is like, ugh, who cares? Yep. But some people actually do, and I know that some people in the chat already have mentioned that they're interested. And if you want to participate in the league, we still have a couple spots left that aren't taken, and you can enter the league by merely submitting $15 to hosts at aaapodcast.com via PayPal, and I will immediately send you an invite to the league. First come, first serve. So for those of you that are interested, we have a lot of fun, and Chiaki has interesting ways of selecting her teams, like who is the cutest. You could also probably, to make your life easy, you could always hit the donation button on our site and send $15 that way. Just make it clear that it's for, like, put in the notes or something that this is for the, the podcast league and not just a donation okay. just so we don't get it messed up. I, I don't mean to contradict Chiaki, but if you if you, if you you submit the money as a donation, PayPal will take 10% of the money, oh, and we won't have the full mind. $15 buy-in. So please submit the money via PayPal as a living expense or as you know as some means that won't cause paypal to take a take a cut so no, it was a fair contradiction i didn't know that thank you mitsugi yeah do do what he says don't do what chiaki says um should i say my team name or should that be a secret secret okay chiaki's playing again though have fun with chiaki okay today we are talking about a spotlight on akira toriyama an artist spotlight then we are going to have impressions from the new season that time of year again on Rokubu SS, Gachaman Crowds, and Danganronpa, the animation, as well as reviews on Valve Rave the Liberator and Robotics Notes. So don't go anywhere, because we'll be back to the show soon. you jewel shard fragment searchers out there this is chiaki and this is your anime news break 
For those of you who have loved anime so much that you wish you could even take it into the shower with you, well, Japanese hair clinic Reeve 21 is now taking pre-orders for a shampoo and conditioner created in collaboration with the light novel and anime series, Oreimo. The bottle design, which is un still under development, will feature Kirino and the title Ore no Imoto ga Kami ni i Shampoo wo Tsukate nai Wake ga nai Or My Little Sister Should Be Using Good Shampoo for Her Hair. The two 100ml bottles will ship for 3,500 yen, which is 35 US dollars. A little pricey for shampoo, but as you ladies know, I'm sure not too awful for good shampoo. It will also ship with an original towel to give you some more value for that $35. In other news, the entertainment trade magazine Variety has been reporting that director Jomi Coletsera is in talks to return to the Stalve live-action Akira film project. Yes, it's more of those live-action Western anime adaptation rumors to see if, well, anything ever actually happens. Variety stated that if he returns, Coletsera would direct the Warner Brothers adaptation in spring 2014 after he finishes Run All Night film with Liam Nielsen, Joel Kinman, and Ed Harris. Unsurprisingly, as reported last year by New York Magazine's Vulture blog, the live-action Akira project was stalled when it was considered by Warner Brothers to be too costly at $90 million. The studio's plan then was to have Colette Seda direct another film or films, then return to the Akira project with a lower budget. So we'll see if that lower budget is reflected if the project actually happens. But if he's not starting filming until 2014, it's still a long way off. In other news, for those of you who keep up with anime film studios, Kyoto Animation has recently opened a website for its new project featuring a countdown listing the number four this past week. The website's URL, for those of you who want to go check it out, is http colon slash slash m-e-g-a-n-e dot anime dash dot com. Hinting the upcoming title will be an adaptation of Nagomu Tori's Kyokai no Kanata, a dark fantasy series of light novels. The light novels also actually already have an animated advertisement for them running in Japan with animation done by Kyoto Animation. And finally, for you video game fans, just a quick note, the Final Fantasy X-X-2 HD Remaster, it has been announced that it will feature approximately 60 remixed songs from both the games, as well as trophy support. I will be getting it. This was Chiaki, and this was your Anime News Break. Don't go anywhere, because we'll be back to the show soon. Hey Mitsugi, I'm trying to get into Attack on Titan, but I can't find anywhere to watch it. Oh, it's on Hulu Plus. You can get it in real great quality there and watch it on a bunch of different connected devices. You mean Hulu? No, Hulu Plus. What's Hulu Plus? We're sure you've tried Hulu.com, but we want to tell you about Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus lets you watch thousands of hit shows anytime, anywhere. Stream it on your TV or on the go with your smartphone or tablet. Why just stand in line or ride a train and stare at your feet? You could be watching your favorite anime on Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus is a great way to binge watch your favorite shows. 
Hulu Plus has tons of episodes from great anime series like Attack on Titan, One Piece, Naruto Shippuden, A Certain Scientific Railgun, and thousands of other shows. Hulu Plus is only $7.99 a month. That's $7.99 for all the shows and movies you can watch. Catch up to current shows, binge on an old favorite, or catch a great movie. You can do it all on Hulu Plus. Right now, you can try Hulu Plus for a couple weeks free on us when you go to aaapodcast.com and click the Hulu Plus banner or go to huluplus.com forward slash anime. Please make sure you use huluplus.com forward slash anime so you get an extended free trial and so they know that we sent you. It helps us keep the lights on and gives you a better deal. One more time for the extended free trial, huluplus.com forward slash anime. Welcome back. We've reached our main segment of our 180th episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Okay, okay, wait a second. Just listen to this 80s music. Can you dig it? I can dig it. Wah, wah, wah. Although, I thought dig it was more 70s. Maybe it is 70s. I don't know. What did they say in the 80s? Rick Roll. <laughs> I don't know. I think that was also always. <laughs> that was the sixties, right? Sixties, seventies, eighties. No, yeah. let's get high now. Well, that's well, every. 80s, that's every year. The eighties was was the you want to try this new concept drug. <laughs> I have, okay. I have a friend who who works in a lab. He tells me that this is good stuff. He says, "Don't put this in your body." So let's do exactly <laughs> the opposite. Oh my God! I see God. Welcome to Drugcast. <laughs> We promise we're not under the influence of anything. We live in Japan. What are we talking about today? Yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about nothing relating to drugs. We're talking about Akira Toriyama, who is a very famous member of the anime community. And if you're going, I don't know who Akira Toriyama is. Who's that? He's the guy who created Dragon Ball. There you go. Yes, yeah, so just shut up and sit down. We're about to talk about Dragon Ball Z you, and you stuff. Know who, yeah, you know who stuff. he is. God. God. You know who he is, you just don't realize it. Yeah. there. I, I think it could be argued that there is no such thing as an anime fan who doesn't know who Kira Toriyama is. They might not know him by name, but... They, they know him. They know him. And most, and most people can identify his, his visual art style. Yes. It's, it's incredibly easy. Because nothing else looks like Akira Toriyama. Other Have you noticed that? Akira Toriyama. And I don't even know of anyone who's tried to rip his style over the years either. I feel like it's probably in part because his style is so his style yeah, that if, so unique that, if yeah. anyone ripped it, they'd be like, what are you doing? You're trying to be a Toriyama. Stop. Stop that. I mean, I used to draw pictures, and when I was a kid, everything I drew looked like Dragon Ball characters. Everything. <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I started drawing, which is, actually, which is actually in part ironic that I like to draw women more than men. Because I started out drawing Dragon Ball characters, and what are they known for? Giant muscles. Ripped dudes. Sharp Ripped sharp dudes. hair, big eyes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, Akira Toriyama. So, starting, you want to start with, with his background a little bit? Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. 
Yeah, so I was surprised as to see that Akira Toriyama is actually 58 now. Um, he's going to die soon. And by soon, I mean in 50 years. I was going to say. Because he's Japanese and all Japanese people live to be 108. At least. Everybody in my neighborhood's 108, it looks like. But um, Akira Toriyama got a lot of his inspiration as a youth. I was reading about him last night and gathered his inspiration from a lot of things that were for, that were in the West, including, um, amongst other things, Disney. And 101 Dalmatians, I guess, was a, was a big influence for him. He, uh, he started doing his art in elementary school, drawing with his classmates, which I guess is a typical thing for a, for a young child to do, especially when you're growing up in, like, the what, the 60s or the 50s? So, I mean, what else, what else do you have to play with? Um, imitating manga and anime that, that, that he'd seen, and I guess his... People realized that he had some talent when he submitted his art to a contest, and his art was a drawing of Disney's 101 Dalmatians, and he won a youth art contest in his area, and, um, you know, that was, I guess, what set off his love for for art and for drawing and what set him on his course. And his debut manga, his debut work is something that I'd never I've never seen before. It was a is a is a work called Wonder Island which came out in 1978. So not no surprise that's a little too old for me. Looking at his body of work, I was surprised at how much stuff I had no idea he he had even touched or worked on. Um but it's it's funny as we kind of already said though it's one of those things that even if you don't know he worked on it the second you look at it you go you know, oh yeah, yeah of course <laughs> one of one of the works that he did that I saw was uh, Blue Dragon because I was I was working at at GameStop when when Blue Dragon came out and I looked at the cover and I just stopped and I stared at it and I was like this looks like dragon ball <laughs> and i looked it up and and he he had his hand on it he mm-hmm. he did the the character concepts for it and so it looked like dragon ball and i mean i guess it's it's not necessarily fair to say it looks like dragon ball it looks like akira toriyama yeah. but hey, um, can, can i say that i i wouldn't be against a blue dragon too i wouldn't either i haven't finished the first one but i like what i've played of it it's quite good quite a bit, i yeah. liked it i got the uh platinum trophy or whatever well, all the achievements you mean? All the achievements. I think wasn't whatever. it only Xbox 360? Yes. Okay. What what is with what is with the Toriyama and working on on stuff that has the word dragon in the title? Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, a dozen Dragon Quest games, dra- dra- uh, Blue Dragon. He likes dragons. He loves dragons. Dragons are cool. He's good at he, drawing he, he dragons. Call, he calls his car the Dragon Wagon. Does he does he does ever he have really? a moment where he's in the studio and goes, "Where are my dragons?" Probably, yeah. Uh, he calls his wife the Dragon Queen. Dragon Lady. Dragon Lady. Dra- yeah, Mother of Dragons. Mother of Dragons. So, moving on from that, just another note. One of his biggest works that I have never seen or read read it at all. I've never seen it in Japan either, although I'm sure it's around because it, it, it was a huge seller. Is a manga series called Dr. Slump. Do either of you know this? Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. So this 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 show ran for many episodes, like two hundred something episodes, I think. So the the original run of the manga was was from nineteen eighty 1980 to nineteen eighty four and had eighteen volumes. And the reason why I think it's such a big deal, it, not only did it have a a uh, two hundred and forty three an, an, an anime episodes and ran for five years, 
But the manga is one of the best-selling mangas of all time for Shonen Jump. Sold 35 million copies in Japan. So, this is like the big moment where Akira Toriyama's career blew up. And I think I read someplace that he was living with his parents at the beginning. At When the manga started to run, he was living with his parents. And by the end of the run, he was known as like a god of manga or something. Someone said, quote-unquote. I guess he didn't need his parents anymore after that. So four, four or five years of an ongoing manga being turned into 240-something episodes of a series sounds like a recipe for a lot of filler. Heck, the heck to me, I know. it just doesn't seem like it would be enough to fill out 240-some episodes. If, if anyone would be good at being involved in filler, though. Exactly, yeah. Like, I mean. With all due Namek's respect. going to explode in five minutes. But Dr. Slump... It looks cute. It has a... The main character looks exactly like... Uh, whatever the girl... Whatever the, the scientist girl from uh, Chrono Trigger's name is. Oh, Luca? Or Luca. Is looks, that her name? Luca? If you, if you look up Dr. Slump online, the main girl looks just like Luca. She has, like, she has goggles on her head. Same, pur- same, same uh, purple hair. Which they both kind of look like Bulma, too. You know, what yeah. I, you know what I wonder if, and, and I don't know if we have anything that says yes or no to this, or if it's just purely a speculation on my part, but Osamu Tezuka, who obviously can be argued to have influenced anyone in anime. Everyone. Everyone. <laughs> um, being kind of the god of it, or the creator, but I, I wonder if... Tezuka had had characters. He had characters, and in his head, he had a, a cast system, much like the Takurazuka Theater uses, where it's the the moon cast and the star cast. And a lot of times, he would view these characters as being people, and then in the anime or manga he created, they would be playing a part. So that's why you see a lot of his characters, quote unquote, being reused, like the big nose guy or. Um, the the guy with the spiky front hair or something like that because in his head they had they were quote unquote actors and actresses and and they would take on roles and their appearances would change slightly but but they were the same people to him and I I almost wonder if Akira Toriyama has somewhat kind of the same thing in his head where it's like he has people who exist for him who look like this and and that's why you know you you look at Chrono from Chrono Trigger, and if you change the hair color, it wouldn't be too far off from from Gohan. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not saying it's identical, but well, I I, I had read that uh, that one of like a lot of people, one of Akira Toriyama's number one inspirations was Osamu Tezuka, and specifically Astro Boy. So, like a lot of people, Osamu Tezuka, you know, has his his inspiration flows deeply into the anime world and. Since a lot, and a lot of people are a lot of people are inspired by Akira Toriyama also, so if you think about it, Osamu Tezuka really is like the father that you know started a lot of things in in motion with all of his works and his his genius. So we have we have mentioned Chrono Trigger a couple of times already without outright stating that yes he did do the character and monster designs for that game. Uh, and I think one of the someone in the chat mentioned Chrono Cross, and I think one of the biggest tragedies about Chrono Cross is that he did not come back for those character designs. Oh, and you can tell because they don't look nearly as good. They don't. I mean, the, the, I think it's a beautiful looking game, but it would have been so much better. 
Well, he probably didn't come back because he probably told them, you have to add dragon in the title somewhere if you want me to come back. And they were like, no, we want to name it Chrono Cross. And he's Chrono like, Dragon. He's like, what about Chrono Dragon? And they're like, no. They're like, no, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> and he goes, okay, well, I'm the father of dragons. So, so um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to his games later. But so moving on from, from Dr. Slump, of course, everybody knows what, you know what, actually, what is his most notable work? I, I really don't know what it is. Dragon Ball? Dragon Ball? Is it Dragon Ball? What's that? What's that? DB Zizzle. DB Zizzle. <laughs> world, world, I mean, I would say just, you know, of course, the Dragon Ball franchise, but uh, worldwide, this specific series, probably Dragon Ball Z, of course. Probably. I know, I, I was joking. Yeah, I know. So, immediately after Dr. Slump ended, it's 18-volume run in 1984, Dragon Ball started, so followed it up directly. San, San, San Goku. <laughs> yep, that's. I had that song in my head the whole day after I bought that Goku figure. That's a. That song is enough to drive you to madness. <laughs> Hearing little like four-year-old Goku singing. So, Dragon Ball had an eleven-year run of the manga, forty-two volumes, which is is a lot. But there are a lot of manga out there that have many more volumes like we just saw the new one piece of a manga and what was it volume 71 yeah the yeah. new one is 71 i think the golgo 13 is what over 100 now and is it? i i thought i saw golgo manga said like 102 or something but i could be wrong and i know that jojo's bizarre adventure is considerably longer than 42 volumes but despite that dragon ball is the best-selling manga ever in japan by a wide margin so, Dragon Ball sold... People in the chat were surprised at the $35 million number for Dr. Slump. Well, Dragon Ball sold 156 million copies in Japan and 230 million more worldwide, bringing it to a total of 386 million manga copies globally, which is the best-selling manga of all time. It even crushes One Piece. One Piece is not, even, is not close yet, but... Maybe it will be eventually. So ten times what Doctor Slump did, eleven times what Doctor Slump did. So and a lot of people credit Dragon Ball with being the most influential anime that brought anime and manga to the Western world, and I certainly believe that that's true. And it was definitely a huge part of my childhood. I I definitely and and maybe this is a controversial statement, but you know what? I'm gonna make it. I I think that anime would not be where it is in the West without Dragon Ball without Dragon Ball Z. I I think while Osamu Tezuka was the first person to bring anime to the West in the sense that his was the first animation series to be aired in the West, I don't think anime mattered until Dragon Ball Z. Oh no. And and people didn't they, people weren't aware of it like as as something that was different and special. It was just another cartoon. It was something that aired with the Flintstones and, yeah. and stuff like that. It might as well have been Hanna-Barbera. Um so uh, I definitely agree with that. I mean, Dragon Ball Z especially was a legitimate phenomenon. Yeah. A, 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 you know, a pop culture phenomenon. Well, I'd sort of argue that it still is in a way. Oh, I... Yeah, I mean, here especially. I mean, it, it's still... You can still find stuff like this huge Goku figure that you found. For for a manga that, that ended 17 years ago, all of... I, I see more Dragon Ball Z merchandise in my, in my, in my elementary schools than anything else. Uh, maybe when maybe with the exception of Namiko. My kids, when they're playing 
not not my own children, by the way. I call my students my kids, just so everyone knows. I don't You're actually a mommy. have children. No, Chiaki is not a mommy. Um, but my my kids, when they're on the playground, I've seen them run around and go Kamehameha at each other, and I'm just like, ah. You know, the only thing I could compare it to in the West, as far as longevity goes, is probably SpongeBob SquarePants. But SpongeBob didn't stop. They they didn't stop making new episodes until a few years ago, and Dragon Ball Z, Dragon the whole Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z series ran for how many years? I guess. From are you are you referring to the manga or the anime? The the anime. The the, the is, anime is, ran from eighty nine to ninety six. Eighty nine to ninety six. I'm pretty sure SpongeBob ran longer than that. Is that in the states? The, no, that was just the run of Dragon Ball Z. Okay, the, not not right. the states run. Dragon B- Dragon Ball ran from eighty six to eighty nine. So, but okay, that's and like it com- started it. Okay, I see. And then it ran. Of course, it ran in, in the states even longer than that, probably up until like what, like two thousand one. Yeah. Well, we also so, probably didn't get it until like ninety four, I think, or like something like that when they started showing it on like local yeah. like, cable access, kind of. Well, it's it, uh, this discussion is kind of kind of difficult to have because in some country in the world, there's always going to be someone airing Dragon Ball Z, but. People in the chat mentioned uh, Doraemon because we said how you know the influential nature of it and yeah I mean every every kid knows Doraemon in Japan. It's but. kind of like though like Doraemon and Anpanman are kind of like they're little kid shows. Everyone grows up with them, it's but like then Mi- it's, like, it's like Mickey Mouse. Yeah, you grow out of it. No one says that their favorite character is Mickey Mouse in the states. No one says oh Mickey Mouse is my favorite character, and no one said Bugs Bunny or yeah. anything like that. And no one here says Doraemon is their favorite character. It's just something that is part of you, part of the social consciousness. So. Everyone watches it and then until they're like first, second grade, and then yeah. they stop watching I mean, it. it. It if you want to really get to the nitty gritty of it, the most the most well known piece of manga slash anime in Japan is probably Sazai san. That's been airing for, for forty three years and has over six thousand nine hundred episodes. Of anime. I've never watched a single episode. 6,900 episodes. Have you ever watched it? No, I've never watched it. I've never it. watched it either. We should watch we it should. sometime. We should Just watch one episode. I was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you understand, like, that you, do you, can you fathom that number? I mean. People in the chat are saying, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, that's like Dragon Ball Z 20 times. Hold on. You or said One more Piece than twice. Times. Or you One Piece twice. 6,900 <laughs> episodes? Yeah. It's so been airing. It's see. been airing since 1969. Is it, is it 20 minutes an episode? I don't have the answer to that question. Probably I, I, 22. I, I imagine. I imagine it's 22. I'm gonna say 22 minutes an episode. Whoa. So how many how many days of your life would it that's, take to watch Sazai-san? Right? That's, that's, that's hours. So it's 2,530 hours, or 105, 105 and a half days. So <laughs> you would have to watch Sazai-san for a, for a straight. 105 days. You would have to watch it for a third of a year. Yeah. Without With, sleeping. Without sleeping. Or pooping. <laughs> it's doable. It's doable. Yeah. Wow. Or eating. Yeah. So, but back to Toriyama. Yeah, anyways, to- Akira Toriyama has has nothing to do with Sazai-san. Um But I I'd, I'd like if if you guys don't mind uh, unless you want to wrap up Mitsuki where you're at. Well, also Dragon Ball Z, I mean they basically said it was it was the anime the inter- the internet's while I was reading last night I ran into a note that said that it kind of generated the golden age of, of shonen jump 
in which was the mid '90s and the the mid '80s, the mid '80s and and uh, up through the mid '90s, because it was just the time period in Japan when when manga circulation was the highest, and it just shows you that Akira Toriyama is kind of the man that generated all of that. Here's here's a question for you guys that that is I I like to think that this question is on topic. Is so we've we've talked about this almost ad nauseum, the golden age of anime and and how it became prolific and 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 how we see here it was the most purchased, it was the golden age for these manga magazines like Shonen Jump. Was it right place, right time for the anime? Was it the right anime at the right point in time that the stars aligned and this happened? Or was it just that the people were ready for this to happen and they latched onto the things that the it it, it was random chance like um, and 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 then hold on to extend that do you guys think it could happen again because we haven't had a golden age like that since I don't know that's hard I don't I don't know that I don't know that it will be with specifically Jap- Japanese anime I don't know that that'll be the case um, I I I don't agree with with the right time with the right time at the right place uh, you know i think it was assumption a, i think it was a slow build and well wherever you jumped onto the bandwagon at was just what your experience with it Dr- dragon ball z it has been a hit everywhere it's gone it was a hit in the states it was a hit in europe it was a hit in south america and so i mean i the right place right time you maybe maybe you can discuss that but but the fact that everyone and everybody globally has ended up loving dragon ball z no matter when or where just maybe just goes to show you the universal appeal that the show has and i don't want to make this a whole dragon ball z topic but it i mean it's kind of 90% of a curatorial acclaim so so then kind of extending off of that and and not to talk too long cuz it is not explicitly about a curatorial but do you guys th- think that could ball? happen again um i don't know maybe I, I i think i think maybe no maybe not i'm going to say no i think it sort of is happening right now with one piece in Japan, only in do you Japan. mean yeah in in Japan uh, only in Japan maybe I mean like yeah. the, a worldwide phenomenon on the scale of dra- the Dragon Ball franchise I don't think it will ever happen because I think that Dragon Ball represented not just something that everyone became interested in but it also represented an introduction into anime in general for yeah. most people most people that I know that it was new that, yeah it was new and it, it and it like opened the door for all of this other stuff that is like oh wow there's this country has been producing this weird interesting cool stuff for years and years and years and you know now we want to see all that stuff uh, and now like I we've said before anime is kind of a poisonous word so I don't know that it could happen. I'm not saying it couldn't happen with something else, but I don't think it'll happen with anime. I'm going to agree with you, but if, but for a different reason. I think that back when Dragon Ball started airing in the states, the late '90s, or to mid the mid to late '90s, there weren't as many entertainment substitutes on the market for children. So nowadays, every nowadays every every little every child left and right is carrying around their 3ds and playing PlayStation or whatever. And back in the back in the mid '90s, we didn't have that level of quality entertainment. I mean, we had games, but not like this. So there would be a lot of competition for for people's entertainment time if, in a lot of different ways. And I just don't think that it's not the right time to have something like that happen in anime because it's just an old it's an it's an old form of entertainment, and it's been left behind by other things. I'm 
going to agree and disagree with both of you. I think it could happen again, but I think it needs to take a long time. When I when when I was last leaving America, I was noticing that cartoons were kind of going by the wayside to a lot of live action shows. Like like Disney. I grew up watching three channels: Cartoon Network, Disney, Nickelodeon. And I watched cartoons on all of those channels. And mm. Disney has almost completely stopped doing cartoons. So has Nickelodeon. That's most crazy. of their most of their runs are are live action. They're still for kids shows, hey, but they're, they're live action like like I don't I don't even know what's running. But like Hannah Montana, there yeah. we go. There's one, and um, so I think it would have to take a long time for almost anime to be forgotten and then be rediscovered by a generation. But as far as Akira Toriyama goes. What what Mitsugi was talking about about substitutes, I guess it's good that he he has his his hands in the video game industry also for him. So what is the Toriyama doing now? He's a, he's been pretty low key recently. He has a studio called Bird Studio, and his I guess it's called Bird Studio because his his last name has the kanji for bird in it, so it makes sense. But he he's been doing a lot of one shots and, and but that haven't been serialized, including. Something called Koa Kajika Sandland, which which Cram knows about. Yes, I enjoy Sandland quite a bit. It's it's actually collected in a one shot uh, Tonkobon that you can buy in the West. It's actually got a release. I think Viz uh, does the release on that, and it's um yeah, it's it's really good. So it sort of seems like Takira Toriyama is satisfied doing his one shots from his little studio where he does most of the work and doing character designs for popular game franchises, which most people that play them love them and of course especially Dragon Quest is probably probably the most well-known one of the most well-known game series in Japan and one of the most beloved I, from what I've seen in my schools Animal Crossing is more beloved than anything else amongst kids amongst children so but everyone knows and a lot of people like Dragon Quest also so and maybe that's maybe that's a segue into his more game works, but I but I but I want to mention some of his other influences that I had written down. Just as just as a quick note here, um, he has said that he he was inspired by Jackie Chan's early movies. I can see that, like Drunken Master, yeah, type stuff. Yeah, definitely. Doctor Slump has a lot of parodies from other movies like Godzilla, Star Wars, Star Trek. It's filled with a lot of aliens and time travel and similarities you you see you that you saw in other prior franchises and of course ever most people know that dragon ball came from journey to the west or the adventures of the monkey king from china so of course there's inspiration from that which has so. been adapted and readapted time and time again so even great even great creators of manga and anime ha- are inspired by other things and everybody gathers inspiration from somewhere can i talk about his art style for a minute sure so notable things about Akira Toriyama's art style is that he generally tends to use a same thickness line all around his characters. It's not like some animators who play with the, the thickness and thinness of the lines at different points. He also tends to, to stick with explicitly cell shading, uh, giving it, I feel, kind of that nostalgic kind of retro look, more traditional look. It, it's very pop art. It, it looks yeah. very, very much like pop art. And in that, he uses a lot of of high contrast colors. He'll use straight white to make shines on things rather than lighter colors. 
However, in some of his Dragon Quest concept art, I do see kind of a more modern take on cell shading. It's it's softer, it's it's more blended, it has more gradient compared to some of the older stuff. Obviously, as we mentioned, his style is characterized by the pointy hair. And that's something you find in almost any work he touches is that character with the spiky pointy hair. He also, as we mentioned, the Bulma character, I see that as another one of his character archetypes, the straight, straight bowl hair kind of thing. The the head is shaped like a bowl and the hair goes down straight with the blunt cut straight bangs. And then you get a few other variations on these, but I think that kind of defines his his main character archetypes. And I think one of the things that I always loved about his art was that like the eyes go into the eyebrows, at, at least if I'm remembering correctly from when I drew Dragon Ball Z characters. I loved drawing them that way too. Yeah, or, it was at least so much at least fun. when they've got their angry face on, they yeah. go into the eyebrows. The the eyes like the eyebrows just are part of the eyes, which sounds weird, but but the next time you go, next time you look at his artwork, Google it and look. The eyes are part of the eyebrows for the most part. I think I think narratively his stories have kind of shaped what the you know the standard shonen jump action power fantasy type manga and and anime have have become. I, I think that. Prior to um, Toriyama, I don't think you had shows that shows and, and manga series that were quite like, um, you know, quite like the Dragon Ball formula. And since then, it's you know, they're all kind of somewhat tournament style, uh, cranking up the action, cranking up the the power, and you know, now you've got shows like Toriko and whatnot that are so obviously influenced by Toriyama himself and. You know, even going back to games like Sonic the Hedgehog, I think Sonic the Hedgehog is so obviously inspired by by Dragon Ball and love me some Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there, there's he's obviously an influential figure in in the industry. So I've taken the chat in a different direction. They were itching to 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 participate in the topic, and I was asking them what their favorite Akira Toriyama works are. Are do you guys feel like we're ready to move into? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So. Here are some of the things that that the, that our lovely members of the ch- of the uh, of our audience have said. So, addicted hero likes Chrono Trigger. A lot of Chrono Trigger fans in the chat. Uh, Trey Depps loves Dragon Quest. Drakue. Yeah, in Japan, Drakue. Uh, and of course, there's several people that like Dragon Ball. So, so this so Dragon Quest, Dra- Chrono Trigger. Are some of the are some of the notable works, especially from Akira Toriyama? But how, how do you guys feel about what are your favorite? And I wrote favorite non Dragon Ball games. Well, I, I, have, to, I have to agree with some of the people in the chat because for those of you who didn't know, my favorite video game of all time is Chrono Trigger. So yeah, I've got to go with that. I never actually finished Chrono Trigger. <gasps> I know. I really need to. I, I forced really her to, to buy it. I'm, I'm heartbroken. When they re-released it on the DS, I forced I forced Chiaki uh, to buy it. That's a good port. I and, like the DS version. But, yeah. I liked it. I'm going to finish it eventually. Um, for me, it would probably be Blue Dragon. It, like, again, that's not Dragon Ball. It would probably be Blue Dragon because... That, I think maybe it, it gets extra kudos because that was a game that I didn't expect to like, that I really liked. Like, it was a game that I took home because I was like, well, Dragon Ball guy did it, and my style, it's an RPG, you know, like that kind of thing. 
But and I didn't expect to like it, and then I, I really liked it. And, and so, then there was an anime series based on Blue Dragon, wasn't there? There was, but I didn't watch any of it. So I bet this it was is boop, entirely boop. <laughs> yeah, I bet terrible. It was. Um, this, so, that was entirely based on the game. So for me, I love Dragon Quest, and now that I have a 3DS, I'm hoping that they take. Most of the Dragon Quest games, a lot of them have been taken to the 3DS now, but I don't know how many of them have been released in the in in the West. So, but regardless of how many have, I'm hoping more get released. And if I had to be very specific, I would say that my favorite work of, of Akira Toriyama's outside of Dragon Ball is Dragon Quest VIII. That's a great game. Dragon Quest VIII is an, is a fantastic game, and the characters are very enjoyable. And, but I. I mean, at the end of the day, I think all of us have sort of been touched by something. An angel named Akira Toriyama. Yeah, an angel named Akira Toriyama <laughs> in some way. So, and if you buy Dragon Quest Eight, you can get a sneak preview demo of Final Fantasy Twelve coming to a retailer near you. I did that. <laughs> Yay! And while you're at it, pick up Zone of the Ender so you can play a demo of Metal Gear Solid Two. Yeah, Dragon Quest Eight being much better than Final Fantasy Twelve. All right, well, that was fun, boys. We are going to take another short break, and when we come back, we'll have impressions on Roku Vu, SS, Gachaman Crowds, and Danganronpa the Animation, as well as reviews on Robotics Notes and Valbrae for Liberator. Don't go anywhere. Hail you Dragon Ball hunters out there, this is Chiaki and this is your anime news break. First up, for those of you in North America who are fans of the recently returned Toonami programming block, Adult Swim's Toonami block has announced that it will run the Evangelion 2.2 You Cannot Advance film on August 31st. The staff added also that they will show a special little goodie that you will have to wait to find out about. So if you're in America and have access to Tsunami, it is probably something worth watching. In addition, Star Wars The Clone Wars will replace Eureka 7 after it finishes its latest run, though Adult Swim is working on running the full finale of Eureka 7 as opposed to the cut version that ran during the first anime's run in 2007. In other news, our friends over at Anime Souls have something worth celebrating. They reached the crowdfunding goal of 22,000 US dollars for the North American DVD release of Black Jack, the medicinal television anime. The fundraiser reached its goal within three hours of the deadline. That was quite a push, anime fans out there, to make it. The site promised that if the goal was met, it would launch a new campaign for the 12 Blackjack original video anime episodes also. So I guess they're going to have to keep that promise. It's probably one they're going to be happy to keep. In other news, the September issue of Seisha's Jump Square magazine has announced that actor Ryunosuke Kaminki will play Shoujiro Seta, the right-hand man of the former government assassin Makoto Shishio, in the two live-action Roroni Kenshin sequel films that will come out not soon enough, in my personal opinion. 
The two films will be covering, also in my opinion, one of the best arcs from Rudoni Kenshin, and that is the much-loved Kyoto arc. So here's to hoping we have a great Shishio. And finally, for those of you who are fans of dubs, the trailer for Sentai Filmworks' English dub of Girls and Panzer has been released on YouTube. It's just a narrated trailer, so you only hear one character's voice, and it is a Ryle get em ready to have tankery, as they call it, tankery fun time to make you a better, stronger, more successful woman. The trailer was premiered at Anime Expo earlier the month, but the full English dub cast has not been announced yet. This was Chiaki, and this was your Anime News Break. Don't go anywhere, because we'll be back to the show soon. アニメアディクトアノニモスはご覧のスポンサーの提供でお送りいたします。And we're back to the last part of episode 188 of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Woo-hoo! I love I love doing impressions. It's one of my most it's one of my favorite parts of the show because we get to hear about all the latest stuff that comes out. So I'm excited. And normally we're so hopeful. Sometimes yeah, well, we're not, but normally we're so hopeful. Even 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 though we uh, you know didn't have much love for this season when we were when we were selecting our anime i've i've learned by now that there are actually some quality shows this season and part i have a feeling that we're going to talk about some of them today so get your ears open but first i'm going to be doing a an impression on an anime called rokubu ss which i guess i always think stands for secret service but in reality it stands for second season it's not the first time that an anime has done that. But Rokubu SS directly follows up the first season of Rokubu, which is a basketball anime, quote-unquote, about a, a boy who named Tsubaru who goes to coach an elementary school girls basketball team, and they have all kinds of lolicon basketball antics. That's, that's basically the story. So the things about the second season that I'll, that, that I'll tell you is that Subaru is continuing to coach the girls' basketball team, and but in this season, there is a new challenge that they're facing, quote-unquote, and there's a, a girl came from France, and she is, she develop, she's developing a, a fifth-grade team to take on the sixth-graders. So in the last season, all, of the girl, all, the, all five of the girls on the team were in fifth grade. Well, now they're in sixth grade. They're still in elementary school, and the... This new girl who came from France is trying to, you know, become top dog. So she's developing a fifth grade team. And in the third episode, when I when I stopped watching, they were sort of challenging each other. And at at the point where I where I am, the fifth graders can't beat the sixth graders. So unsurprisingly, but this season, the second season of uh, Okubu is not really something that I think that people can just jump into. Like, there's not a whole lot of story in the first season, but they don't give you any real they sort of lead you in a little bit on the second season, but I, I feel like they make a lot of references to stuff that happened previously that you're not going to get if you haven't watched the first season. So if you're interested, I think you should go back and watch the first one. The 
I did have sort of a problem with this anime's initial first episode and part of the second episode because there was really virtually no emphasis on basketball at all. Like, the first season, I was able to watch it and enjoy it despite the lolicon, uh, heavy, heavy lolicon tones that it had because there was actually a lot of basketball talk and they played, they were actually playing basketball in it. Well, in the first, at least for half of the first three episodes of this of this second season, they've been focusing a lot more on the relationship between the star of the team, whose name's Tomoka, and the coach. They sort of have a romance relationship going on. So, uh, so she's so she's basically twelve, right? Uh, she's quote unquote twelve or eleven because she's in sixth grade, and he's like as old as sixteen. So it's no, I guess that's. It's not that weird. Like, he's a second-year high school student, and she's getting ready to go to middle school. So it's a little weird, but, you know, it's Japan, and things are different here, and, you know, whatever. At so, least he's not... I thought I thought he was older. I thought he was, like, like about to graduate high school. He's in his second year, so that puts him at, like, 17, maybe. So there is a bit, there's a big gap, but... So... But there's definitely some... You know, they sort of... She gets, she gets flustered, and when he does nice things and he goes out of his way to buy her like a nice present for her birthday and whatever so but there was really it was it felt more of like a lolicon show than it did a, a basketball show at the out at the outset of it and you know you can only have so many bathtub scenes in the first three three episodes of an anime like they might mu- there must have been five baths you know they they just take every opportunity possible in this second season to really play up the lolicon and I feel like they they've sort of left behind the basketball. Now they were sort of getting back to it at the in the third episode, but I've been a little disappointed with it so far. And quite frankly, I recommend this show to people that like Lolicon, and that's about it. If you like basketball, the second season of Kuroko no Basuke is coming out in this is coming out in the fall. So ostensibly, so. If you like basketball, go watch the first season of Kuroko no Basuke in preparation for the second season. If you like Lolicon, go watch Rokubu. So that's kind of my stance on it right now. I'm not going to drop it or anything. I don't find the show to be intolerable, but, you know, it's not too offensive. Okay. There's no incest in it like half the other animes that we have, so at least that's one. At least that's something. (laughs) At least it's something. I'll I'll be quick. I am going to do Danganronpa, the animation. I I talked about this probably a little more than I should have when we were talking about our selections. So this is the one that is based off of a PSP game that is a visual novel adventure game. And it's the one about the kids who, it's the high school that selects the best kids in a bunch of different areas. So you have like the, the super student who's, an idol, the super student who's a fighter, the super student who's, you know, the brains, all that kind of stuff. And they're all selected to go to this special prestigious high school, except for this high school is run by a psychotic bear who tells them that to leave, they have to successfully kill someone. Um, and so it's a game. It has a manga that actually started in 2011 but then it also has an the animation manga so it's like it has two mangas going one that's the original manga and the other one that's a manga after the animation so i'm like what why um and then of course the the anime series the animation itself the animation of the animation is is 
fairly normal. It, it kind of has its own little slightly quirky style. Right at the onset, they had some CG, but that's not very prominent throughout the whole series. And it wasn't too... It's kind of so weird and surreal that it wasn't... It didn't seem too out of place or, or really strange. Um, they, they definitely get right to it. They definitely get exactly to what the anime is going to be. They don't... They don't... They don't pussyfoot around. But... The, what I will say is that the characters are over the top, which is one of those things that I haven't decided yet if it's over the top in such a way that I like it because it's kind of that, whoa, we're having fun. Oh, whoa, now it's really, really dark all of a sudden. Or if it's just too much genre clashing. But so far, it's 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 been a, a fun watch and it's been engaging. So how, how does it stack up to Elf and Lead? And it's genre clashing. Oh, nothing that bad. Okay. Nothing that bad. It's uh, When I say genre clashing, I mean it's kind of like, whoa, we're a bunch of people who are really different and it's wacky that we're all stuck in a school together. So there's no etchy comedy and then five seconds later, like like horrid violence? Not, not so far. Not that bad. More like, more like, we spent three days just walking around the school trying to figure out a way to get out, and then all of a sudden we got shown a picture of our family dying. Is, is this anime similar to Battle Royale? Because I know that they kill each other, and they're in a school. So, yes or no? I don't feel like it is. I, it, the similarities end there with Battle Royale. It, it's not... It's just some sick, twisted thing. As far as I know, it's just some sick, twisted thing that's happening. It's not like it's a plot from the government to to prevent uprisings or or they're they're going to a special uh, arena that's that's out of the school or that even that it's something that the general populace even knows that's going on. So it's not it's not like battle royale. It's just kind of this sick, twisted thing that's happening. I, ha- I have just one more question. Yeah. Quickly, what is the deal with the bear guy? Like I, I know he's the headmaster of the school, but what is the deal? It's, I don't know. I don't have an answer. It's a bear guy who's the headmaster. What do you want me to say? Yep, that's all it is. Wow, Chucky was just looked at me like, I, I don't like I was like I said something weird. You, I don't, you, I don't, you done messed up. <laughs> I didn't understand the question. It's it's well, just it, a bear guy. It's an anime. Everybody's human, and then there's this random talking bear. So it seems odd. Why? That's weird. There's also one in Gatchamon. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, forgot it. Forgot I asked anything. I, it, it, I feel, it's did it's I just... a weird anime. It's a weird anime. The only thing that bothers me is that they use the word "super duper student," and I think "super duper" sounds so stupid. It but sounds super duper stupid. They say it in Japanese, "super duper," like like that, or is is that how they translate it? I think it's the translation, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Oh, okay. But so far, and and someone pointed this out in the chat, and I should say this too, they have stayed very true to the game so far. And and they, someone pointed out that they actually will use cutscenes from the game, and it's like when they were introducing the characters, it looked very much like a game introduction, and it, it's kind of charming in that way. It doesn't seem out of place. It seems charming. Three quick statements from our from our viewers about the bear. One, um, Bobotsko likes his belly button. Codename Taylor B says his voice drives me crazy, and Lemonator says, "Good question, Mitsugi." <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I, sorry. I'm not saying it's a bad question. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's why? Why is there a dual forest in Utana? I don't know. There just is. All right, I'm done. 
I'm, I'm running away. Would you recommend this to people? Yeah, yeah, I think I would. It's it's fun. I I I'm not expecting anything substantial from it, but I think it has the possibility to maybe deliver something substantial. I'm not expecting it, but it's entertaining at the very least. Cool. So um, this season, I'm watching Gatchaman Crowds. And uh, I, before I'd watched this, I had heard some very good things and some very bad things about this. So gotcha, gotcha. I, I had no real, like, b- between those two things, I had no expectations going into this. But I watched the first three episodes last night, I powered through them, and um, I got some thoughts. So, uh, taking place in the near future in the city of Tachikawa, Japan, Gachamon Crowds tells the story of the titular Gachamon, superheroes that are responsible for fighting hostile alien entities known as Mess. Hot, hot mess, if you will. That's, a, that's almost as bad as the name Noise. So the series mostly follows the path of high schooler Hajime Ichinose, who is insufferably quirky, like a Japanese manic pixie dream girl. Do you know? Do you know? Have you heard of a manic pixie dream girl? Do you know what that is? I I can't even. There's so many adjectives there that I can't even put it's, that together in my mind. It's like the the Zoe Deschanel archetype or the uh, the Natalie Portman in Garden State archetype of the girl that's just so cute and quirky and just like a, a spark of life and you know she brings happiness to some sad protagonist <laughs> and makes his life better that's what this character is and it, and she's kind of irritating uh she's oh, so ser- she's the fr- so, so she's the fruits basket girl uh yeah kind of but what's that girl's name i can't remember but yeah kind of yeah, a little similar i think so she's certainly an energetic free spirit, but almost to a fault, and she's constantly going against the grain. But And also, she kind of have the, has an over-affected way of speaking that gets pretty irritating pretty fast. So I, I don't like the main character right off the bat. But interestingly, she almost immediately questions the motives and methods of the organization she's been drafted into and befriends one of the aliens she's been tapped to combat. So, you know... Oh, she's getting tapped, yeah. all right. Um, the music is pretty great. Most of it is like electronic dance stuff with some funk flourishes, kind of reminiscent of 1970s black exploitation cinema, which totally surprised me. Like every, every, like in in between beats of the, you know, the the electronic music, every once in a while you'll just hear a "Gotcha man!" It's it's totally badass. <laughs> so I'm really digging the music. Is that, is that like Machine Head? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, actually, a lot like that. Um, the Gachamon suits are kind of over over designed bun, uh, tiger and bunny ripoffs, I think. Uh, but the CG elements are better blended in this show, I think, than in Tiger and Bunny. Now you don't really like CG sometimes. I don't, but this, it doesn't irritate me in the show. I think it looks good. I think they're they're doing a, a really good job with it. Um, but I don't like the design of the suits. So it's got that money. It does. It does have the money, and it knows where to put the money. Um, although the the whatever you want to call them influences om- uh, homages ripoffs they're they're pretty obvious from the outset uh, ver- various narrative and style elements seem to be lifted straight out of the aforementioned Tiger and Bunny even Madoka Magica Fuli Kuli Eden of the East and others kind of fill out the first three episodes and they're really really obvious and it's kind of distracting and weird um, there are some themes that have been brought up, some good themes, themes of social responsibility, blind advocacy, individualism, and, and technophobia are addressed, and I hope they get explored in interesting ways as the series progresses. Um, the characters are appropriately diverse, but individually kind of one-dimensional. Um, there's a quirky one, like I mentioned, the main character. There's kind of an aloof one who's the, the moe. She's walking around in archetypes. a all the time. Yeah, kind archetypes. Like heavy character archetypes. A f- you know, yeah. a, a feminine male who's very flamboyant and obviously supposed to be a homosexual. Um, a very determined uh, character. And then, you know, the cool devil-may-care guy that's always smoking. 
Uh, the character designs are a little overstylized, I think, but there's lots of welcome, aesthetically diverse um, diversity on display here. Their, the hair has like these weird stripy shines on them that is really ugly. I really hate the I hair. Hate, I, I hate when they try to two-tone hair in oh anime. God, that crap drives me so nuts. so bad. I hate it. But is it as bad as Amnesia? I didn't watch Amnesia, so I'm not oh, sure. Oh, good. But yeah, I think the hair is ugly. Um, the story integrates some interesting uh, points, like the integrating social networking, um, and you know, talking about whether or not social networking is a useful communication tool, or is it a time-wasting game? Can it be both? And um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of interesting. I I'm a, I am enjoying the show despite some of the problems I have with it. So I would I would recommend it to people. So yeah, check out Gatchaman Crowds. At least the first three episodes. Pe- people in the chat are saying that they don't like the way that the eyes are drawn. Yeah, the especially the there's a what's his name? There's a blonde character, the the determined character, the determined Gachaman. His eyes are especially piercing uh, and kind of give me they uncomfortable feelings. Soul. That's right. That's exactly what I thought. Um, but okay. yeah, I kind of agree with that. But yeah, Gachaman crowds. Check it out. It's it's not bad. I'm digging it so far. That's one of those shows that people seem to think is one of the better ones of the season. So it's been pretty consumed with its setup in the first three episodes to be terribly fun, but I can see it getting there. So. All right, so Rokubu is Lolicon. Danganronpa um, is murder fun. And Gotcha Man Crowds is... Stripey hair. Stripey hair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we have some reviews, right? I I would like to go first, it, if that's okay with you, Cram. Is, is it going to happen? Yeah. The long-awaited... Uh-oh. The long-awaited... Highly anticipated. Mitsuki, why are you getting up in my shit? Review this of. Isn't, I'm not that late. This anime only finished in March of this year. I'm not that late. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. I, I I already got attacked for the for the bear. I'm I'm gonna step away from Just this one. Take a backseat, dude. <laughs> Let's now, hear it. What is this anime? Now, you're when review? I finally review Steins Gate, then. Then you can get on me. That shit is never happening. <laughs> that shit will happen eventually. Um, this is the anime that I'm going to review is is Robotics Notes. Robotics. 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 Buttocks. Buttocks. When you buttocks? say that, it sounds like buttocks. buttocks. <laughs> Robotics. Robotics. Rob- Ro- Robotics Notes. <laughs> Robotics um, Notes. So Robotics Notes. I was a show I had that I was supposed to watch, and I did eventually. Now is the eventually. And as I said, it started running in October. It actually started on my birthday, October 12th. Uh, oh, you see that? So all, all of you Chiaki fans, write down on your calendars when Chiaki's birthday is. So, yeah. Uh, Robotics Notes started running on October 12th, and it ran until March 22nd of this year. So I'm only... April, May, June, July, August. I'm only like five months late. <laughs> and really, you can't even count August. So really, it's only four months. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that should tell you a little how I feel about this show. Uh, based, originally, it was a manga game. Uh, the manga actually started in March 2012, and the game was released uh, June 2012. Um, so the manga actually predates the game, but the game was probably in production a long time before the manga, so I guess chicken and the egg. But it, it really started in, in 2012. 
Then there was a, another manga, Robotics Notes Phantom Snow, that also came out July 26, 2012. Then Robotics Notes Rival Legacy, that came out in September 2012. Then Robotics Notes Dream Seeker, that came out in October 2012. And then after the series, there's been Robotics Notes Side Junya Chisana Natsu no Monogatari, which came out in November, and Robotics Notes Pleiades Ambition. So there's been a lot a lot a lot of spin-off with regards to aren't you glad about that you'll never run out of things to to consume when it comes to yeah. robotics notes um but i think that's relevant to to what i'm ultimately going to get into in my review so the general plots uh i feel like the main character is akihi uh Sonomiya, but some people feel that it's kaito yashio and really it's one of those dual main character type of things um but uh, Akiho joined the robotics club at her school to continue her sister's dream of building a two-scale working giant robot gun barrel from a popular television series. So basically, her sister is a, a robot genius type of thing. And she, I to be honest, I can't remember if she started. I think she founded the robot club, but if she, robotics club, but if she didn't, she made the robotics club something important at the school. And so... When her sister was there, they started working on this giant robot. It would basically be like if a group of high school students said, hey, we want to build a working Gundam. And so they try to build a Gundam. Good luck. Um, her sister had to leave the school before it was finished, and then it kind of just sat around. Um, and when her sister left the school, she was kind of somewhat disenfranchised with robots in general, uh, is what you, you get the feeling of at that point. However... With the help of her friend, Kaito Yashio, who's a less-than-model student who loves robot fighting games, which is his contribution is that, you know, he can can be the pilot guy because he's, he's good at it. Um, and other robotically-inclined club members, they work to complete the robot and answer the question that ultimately so the series sets out as it, it's going to answer. What would happen if people really tried to build a giant robot? Or specifically, what would happen if high school students really tried to build a giant super robot? So they just can't handle the responsibility and they destroy their school with great power comes great responsibility. Um, but, uh, so anyways, so yes, um, so things are never so simple. And in the process of building their giant robot, they encounter a number of mysteries and, and things happening that they didn't know were happening and dun, 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 Staff, in, in my opinion, from what I saw, there aren't really too many notable members of the staff. However, surprisingly, the director wasn't involved in Steinsgate or Chaos Head in any way. And the reason why I bring that up is because Robotic Notes, I know, loosely fits into the universe that those two series are. Um, it's, it's not, you don't have to watch Steinsgate or Chaos Head to get Robotics Notes. But it's part of the same overall universe, and there are some characters that overlap or some things you see that you saw in the other series that you see in robotics notes so it's definitely it's definitely one of those things that if you're a fan of chaos head and a fan of steins gate robotics notes fits into that universe but if you're not you don't have to you don't have to watch it um studio the production was done by studio ig so the animation is very tasteful it's a, it's a busy studio yeah it's slightly realistic feeling, but still in a traditional anime style. 
Um, they don't use obnoxious colors for people's hair or anything like that, but it still feels like animation. It doesn't feel like like most recently the rotoscoping that we saw in Akunohana or some of the more realistic styles of anime that are out there. So, so that is definitely something that you don't have to worry about watching the show and having anything be obnoxious. All right, review itself. At the beginning of Robotics Notes, I was interested in where the show would be going. Um, to come from off from an offshoot of the universe of the much-loved Steingate, I had hope for it. Because Steingate, a lot of people argue, is one of the best anime out there. And Robotics Notes is also based off of a visual novel game, much like Steinsgate. And while I've never played the visual novel, I still hope the existing content would help the series. It's not like they, they already have the whole story made for them, and it's already a, a love story. But I felt like the anime started out a little slow, to be honest. I Every episode, part of why it took me so long to watch it is because I actually rewatched half the series a number of times because I'd pick it up and I'd watch a couple episodes and I'd just kind of get bored, and then I'd put it down, and then... When I would go to pick it up again, I would be like, I really need to rewatch those episodes because I kind of forgot what happened. Um, but I, I, however, that being said, what I did like was that even though it was a little slow, it was because I felt like they were trying to achieve some kind of realism with it. Um, the show did work, I could tell, to have a realistic approach to high school kids building a giant robot. Granted... There are some liberties that had to be taken with this that made the anime feel disconnected with its goal. For example, in real life, air quotes, the majority of the kids in the club would need to be like technological geniuses. I, you'd, you'd have to... I'd, with PhDs in engineering. Yeah. And years of experience. Exactly. And a lot of money. So, and I know that there's they're they're all supposed to be inclined toward robots and, and there is the, the guy who is is like a robotics genius, but but it's still only like four or five kids building a giant robot by themselves. Um, also, how would a school have that much space just hanging out to hold a giant robot for, like, six years? They have a hangar area, but, like, it's... it's I, I forget the logistics of it. I forget if it's actually on school grounds or if it's something else, but the school's involved. The school owns the robot, so the school just has this giant hangar hanging out in the middle of nowhere. Um, so... I want to ask a question. Yeah. So there's another anime that came out not too long long ago that kind of reminds me of this, and that's uh, Girls in Panzer. So Girls in Panzer, obviously, they wouldn't have room to have 15 tanks, and they wouldn't. And all the kids are the ones that maintain the tanks, and they're always getting destroyed, and they re they fix them and, re and rebuild them. But Girls in Panzer is not a serious show, and it never tries to be. So. Are you saying that, that that Robotics Notes is supposed to be like a dead set realistic show? That, yeah, they, that they just try doesn't? to be serious about this. And people in the chat are pointing out it was an abandoned hangar, but what? You'd still need tens of millions of dollars and, well, and tens of millions of dollars of equipment to well, build that, a robot. That aside, it's like the, the abandoned hangar, I'm just sitting there and I go, the school has to own it for them to use it or someone has to own it who said it was okay because even if it's abandoned someone owns it even if it's just a real estate company and so someone has to own it and if the school owns it when was the last time you went to a school that just had a huge hangar worth of space that they weren't using to store something or do something in or or have whatever um Chucky's having a rant and and 
I, I've never seen a school like that. I've never seen if if my school had a hangar, we would be it would be filled with stuff. It would be the place that we put a stage and and had, you know, our plays in or something like that. Like my high school scraped together funding for five years to just build a theater, to just build a stage. And we had to get so much state funding and stuff for it. And it just seems so unrealistic. And then there's the money that Mitsugi mentioned, which is something that they tackle in the show. It is something that they bring up. Car washes. Um, they answer the question by having to win contests to gain funding and verify school funding and things like that, that they are proceeding as a club. But it's still one of those, the funding required, and, and they also have a, a guy who's a parts guy that they use, that there's like the bartering. But it's kind of like the... This is our realistic answer, but don't look too close into it because two plus two doesn't equal four. Like, that's their way of trying to have like this realistic approach to it, but at the same time, it doesn't it doesn't add up. It would the the numbers would not equal the amount of money that you would need for the show um, to have like to to for it to make sense for the kids to have this money to kids for the kids to have the funding. Um, because the show is only set in 2019. It's not like this is the far distant future where there's just parts lying around that exceed our current technology. It's like right now. Um, so to me, it's just crazy to contemplate that high school students would do this. But some things that they did get right, I'll give credit where credit is due. For example, the team did have a number of setbacks and a slight spoiler from the middle of the series. The first time they took out the robot, it didn't even really work which I thought was nice. It wasn't like this big unveiling and the robots just flying through the sky. It was, it, it barely worked and it kind of broke. And they also had people from high-ranking organizations like JAXA interested in the project at the point of the unveiling, which I figure would happen if there were high school students who said, we built a super robot and they were unveiling it. Yeah, JAXA might actually send out a person to see, to, you know, kind of scout, see what these people are all about and see if they, you know, need to keep an eye on them not and i'm not saying that in like a conspiracy kind of way but someone that they might want to hire in the future so i definitely think that the anime did get some things right but for me the the hugest barrier for me was just how extraordinarily unrealistic everything felt when the anime set out a goal of answering what would happen if high school students tried to build a giant robot and I feel like what would happen is that nothing would happen because all the anime would be about is the setbacks that prevent them from doing it. So part of me thinks that, 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 that maybe you're getting too hung up on that because it's just anime and nothing is ever going to be realistic. But I, but, then, but then I don't know if the anime makes the point clear that the entire purpose is that it's supposed to be real people, like an actual simula- a simulation of the, of, of the, of the events. I think it's pretty clear. Or if like, it's just like, like in discussions and stuff that I've read online, it's like everything is like it seeks to answer the question: What would happen if 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 school students tried to do this? Because because this isn't this isn't the first anime where they've had a club building robots. I mean, think about Rideback. Yeah, but or then, some of those others. But the thing is, is they don't play the. It's too in the middle. They try to be realistic about some things and aren't realistic about other things. And it just, I don't know which side to go on. Are we on the side that we're just suspending all disbelief and going, yeah, okay, they're building robots. But then they do things like they can't get funding or things don't work or things like that. And then it's just like, 
now we're back in realistic land. Managing suspension of disbelief is an important thing for any, you know, any fiction. And, you know, if it strikes you the wrong way, then they're doing something wrong, I think. So... Yeah, it it just it, it was enough for me to get hung up on because as exactly you said it really well there, Cram. I I couldn't I didn't know how much disbelief to suspend, and and when I was suspending it, all of a sudden they do something that would bring me back into we're being realistic land, and then I'd be like, oh, but but I know I I ranted about this, but I did enjoy the first half of the series when it was about that because it was interesting to see and it was dynamic. And it was simple. And and from that perspective, I enjoyed it because it was simple. They were trying to build a giant robot. And it was the sole goal of at the end of the series, you wanted to see them build a giant robot that worked. You wanted to see them overcome everything and, and do something. But the second half of the show, after about episode 11, began to just feel messy. Because they, I feel like they lost that focus or they, they started to change it. All of a sudden, they began introducing new people and new arcs that really never felt like they had proper resolutions or even really needed to be there in the first place. There was this whole like conspiracy theory organization thing that got thrown into the mix that was all of a sudden like, whoa, where did this isn't this type of show, is it? And there was a plot and a subplot and another subplot. And I felt like the goal the anime set out to achieve, whether they were trying to be realistic or not, the goal was definitely to build a robot. Kind of got lost in there. It was still there, but it all of a sudden there was so many other things to focus on that it became kind of chaotic. Um, so unsurprisingly, during this time, I began to kind of care even less. Um, the anime was was barely hanging on to my attention due to the aforementioned contradictions but it really lost it even more during this time the ending of the anime did kind of pull it together somewhat and it kind of had a nice ending in the sense that things felt concluded while not being like perfect pretty conclusion that you you couldn't you still drew some of your own um some of your own Conclusions? conclusions yes thank you some of your own conclusions um and and cron in the chat is is pointing out that that the conspiracy theories is the theme of the franchise that all of these shows are are a part of and and i get that but i just didn't feel like it was done well i didn't i didn't feel like anything was done very well and and that's the thing about robotics notes for me is that it's not bad but they just they didn't really really succeed anywhere they they could have sounds, sounds kind of like a problem of, uh, sounds kind of like a problem of spreading what they have too thin because they're trying yeah. to do too much which I I think there was a similar problem with uh, Red Data Girl from um, from last season um, that I think they did a similar thing where they had too much that they were trying to juggle and everything just kind of got spread too thin and nothing ended up getting fleshed out the way it should have yeah wasn't enough focus I guess and and so in the end. Overall, I feel like the show could have been something, but it was too ambitious in a lot of areas or it wasn't it wasn't committal enough to one area where it's like, this is what we are about. Um, And so it ended up falling flat for me. So overall, I'm going to give it maybe a slightly harsh um, two and a half mysterious data girls floating around (laughs) out of five. Um, 
because it, it falls very solidly average for me. Mm-hmm. It, that, that would be a 5 out of 10, and it falls just right in the middle for me. Maybe I could see a 3, but I couldn't see an argument for higher than a 3.5. And, and, and for me, my personal enjoyment level was just low, so it's going to be a 3.5. Well, thank you very much for that. Yeah, you're welcome. That, was a, that was a sexy review. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. I've been looking forward to Cram's review of Valve Rave ever since he ranted about it in Caesarea. <laughs> yes, we did go to Caesarea, and I had a, a, a little rant about it. I, I had to calm I also him down. Rant, I ranted a bit about it on, on Twitter. Um, he almost flung his chicken fingers everywhere. I don't. All, all in a huffle puffle. Chick, chicken fingers? Did you say chicken fingers? He did. All right. If that's how it's going to be. Flinging um, his ramen uh, all over the wall, this, screaming. This isn't going to be as ranty as you maybe want it to be. I will Aww. I will address the thing that has to be addressed, but um, yeah, I'm going to get into this. So, of course, I watched Valve Rave the Liberator uh, for the spring season, uh, the Japanese title being Kakumeki Barburebe. Kakumeki Barburebe. And this is, this is a mech series by Sunrise that's not Gundam. Woo! So that's kind of exciting, right? Uh, directed by Cole Matsuo, who was responsible for uh, Yozakura Quartet, Natsuki Rendezvous, and Rosen Maiden. Uh, written by Ichiro Okochi, uh, who wrote for Azumanga Daio, Code Geass, Wolf's Reign, and Razathon. So he's got quite, Dang, the, yeah, quite good. the resume. Wow, that's good stuff. <laughs> uh, music by Akira Senju, who did music for Mobile Suit Victory Gundam, Dead Girls, and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. So, uh, also kind of dang. Brotherhood has some solid music. Yeah, yeah. So they, they've actually got um, kind of a somewhat of an all-star uh, team helming this thing. Um, I do like me some Azumanga Daio. Yeah, I do too. I don't I know about... enjoy it quite a bit. I don't know about Azumanga Daio characters piloting mechs, but... Well, let's see... Uh, let's see how this goes. So, Valve Rave the Liberator is a science fiction mech series produced by Sunrise Studios. It follows Haruto, a high school student uh, on a terraformed space station that is part of the neutral Jior Society. Although Jior is a pacifist state, it must deal with two powerful military states, Dorsia and Aris. When Dorshia forces invade Jor to produce a to procure a secret weapon, our hero Haruto stumbles upon it first. And when, what he finds is a giant red robot known as Valve Rave. After watching his love interest supposedly meet a terrible fate during the invasion, he climbs into the cockpit with all his adolescent rage and powers the machine up. The computer greets him with a question. Will you give up being a human? Of course he says yes, and off he goes. The Dorshin military doesn't stand a chance against this agile war machine, and they quickly retreat, but this means war. Isn't it funny how you can just find a mech? Yeah, it's just, just chilling. It's just how it goes. Maybe that's what they need. To, maybe that's what they need in robotics. Notes. It's it's funny because they just find a mech like five or six times in this show. Is, is, Our mech isn't working. Oh look, we just found one in the park. So that happens so much in anime. You know what? That happens in Rosafon. He just finds the mech. It's in like an just egg. Just finds it, yeah. Just happens to find it. He, they just happen to find a mech in Xenogears. Isn't it like lying in the forest? It, it is. It is pretty contrived. But how? What I mean, world? how else? How else do you get a big robot? Anime has prepared me to find Steal a mech it. or a magic portal to another universe. Steal it. Yeah. Someone's make. Someone's building it. You break into the in, facility yeah, and in, take in, it. In Ava, they don't find it. He's mm-hmm. kind of tapped out for it. But I don't know. Well, that's true. But Ava, you know. It's uh, it was the the only the, anime. Obviously, just from that, I mean, you can see that this already has all the trappings of a of your standard mech show. Um, or but does it? For <laughs> hmm. Fortunately for Haruto, his crush, uh, the daughter of Jor's president, didn't actually bite the big one. 
But not so lucky for him, the whole giving up being a human thing turned him into a sort of vampire with the occasional insatiable lust for biting people and body swapping with them. Nom, 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 nom. Exactly. So he doesn't drink their blood. Uh, He just bites them. He wants to bite them, and then he body swaps with them. What a waste. Uh, Yeah, it's a little weird. Um, Soon, the student body of Haruto's high school decides to declare independence from Aris, their sworn protectors, and establish their own military state within Jor using the Valvrave as its sole show of military force. Naturally, other equally brightly colored robots enter the fold, and new pilots are recruited to man them. So the the most refreshing thing about this series is how it, it doesn't take itself seriously at all. It's riddled with cliches of the genre. Uh, and, such as? Um, well, such as the entire summary of the show, like finding the robot and, you know, a high school student being the pilot and all of that kind of stuff. And it, it, it manages to throw some new stuff at you, like the vampire thing, which to me sounds like a, a writer's meeting that kind of went south. <laughs> they're sitting in there and they're like, what can we do that's not... That's something we've never seen before. Um, how about a vampire? Okay. Vampire. Uh, Teenage he, space vampires piloting robots. <laughs> if he's a vampire, why does he need a mech? He, he's not all that dangerous, to be fair. He's a wussy vampire? Yeah, he's kind of, he's kind of wuss-tacular. But, um, so, he's like, so, so he's like Tom Cruise in Interview with the Vampire. Yeah, I mean, he's, he, and as Paper Crow points out, he's not really uh, a vampire. Not really, but... He, kind of similar um he is immortal so that's that's interesting and they and a couple of times throughout the series they uh they use him as kind of target practice to put a couple of bullets in him and he's got some you know blood that squirts out so you get that but does he fill in his board holes like most dangerous geist uh not quite like that but he doesn't die that's for sure um so as a sci-fi military epic about big-ass robots, you get the requisite ex- expository technobabble, but it never comes close to drowning in its own mythology before throwing an action scene or two at you. Uh, the show even has a song and dance number pretty early in the series, <laughs> so it's clearly not gunning for any hoity-toity accolades or anything. It's, Sorry. It's We're nights on the round table. <laughs> uh I think this anime really knows how to prioritize its animation budget, though. While character designs and animations aren't terribly attractive, the amazingly fluid action sequences more than make up for it. The whole show has a really excellent sense of color, too, I think, and every frame explodes with these oversaturated hues. Um, and it, I mean, it is eye candy. It's very, very pretty to look at. Um, the music is great and overdramatic. It use, utilizes full orchestra, orchestrated pieces with a choir for the most over-the-top moments of action and melodrama. How about that music, Inanna? Mis- oh, the, the opening? Or Didn't no. she do the opening theme song? Music, Inanna, and uh, TX, what is his name? TM no one cares Revolution. about, nobody cares about TM Revolution TM anymore. Revolution, the opening theme is awesome. Choto Furui. The opening and ending themes are energetic and rhythm heavy, and they really kind of fall in line with the mech shows of the past, like the, the two-step kind of... Um, um, theme songs that we heard from old Gundam shows and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, I do. I do enjoy the music kind of all the way around. The show isn't very thematically heavy, but the show, it does have something to say, I think, about the innate cast system of high school in kind of how easily a student body can transform into a functioning society complete with governmental bureaucracy and uh, political corruption. Uh, and it gets there pretty quick. And I think I, I think that... I think they're trying to say something about about the nature of, of high school society and and how that works and how it is its kind of own 
uh, socio-political ecosystem, but they don't they don't get they don't get too far into that. I think they're trying to say something, but not a whole lot. Um, the story is kind of slight, and it only serves as a backdrop for some really great action beats. Uh, the characters are expectedly cookie cutter, and the fan service is at a minimum, actually, uh, surprisingly, save for all of the kind of robotic money shots, like all the really sexy robotic robot fighting scenes and whatnot. Uh, the situational humor can be quite funny at times, too. Uh, the show manages to land several jokes and actually made me laugh. And that's a feat that very few anime have achieved, even ones that are really trying to. Um, one in particular, there's a scene where uh, one of the more nerdy characters gets his hand on a, gets his hands on a gun. And, uh, and he, after firing off a few rounds, like he just kind of shakes and giggles and he goes, it's real. <laughs> like it's a real gun. That, uh, Great that, job! That tickled me. I like that. I I, yeah, I imagine that if that was an actual Japanese person, they'd probably see the gun and run. <laughs> a gun, run away! I think it also hit me because I mean it, it was in Japanese, and he was just like Honnonoda. <laughs> it was I don't know. It just hit me the right way, so it made me laugh. Um, so Haruto's vamp is vampirism. Did you did you almost just say vampizzle? Vampizzle. His vampizzle for shizzle dizzle. Uh, <laughs> Oh my God. His vampirism affords the story some interesting, if pretty predictable, opportunities to crank up the tension, but the details of the plot point don't entirely make sense. Uh, the main character's random and violent transformation is exclusive to Haruto and doesn't seem to affect the other Valverave pilots uh, for reasons that are never really explained. Uh, while under the influence of the curse, the desire to bite his victims and subsequently swap bodies with them seems to be his only motivation. That is until he rapes another character in the tenth episode. Oh, here it comes! The here it comes! Yeah, yeah, you heard that right. The food's flying. That, we're gonna, you, we're gonna. That's right. Here it comes. We're gonna throw our Caesarea um, Dodia everywhere. My sausages so, are all over. The character who gets raped is called Saki, and she is a pop idol who goes to high school with Haruto. She was at the center of the aforementioned song and dance uh, earlier in the season. Uh, the rape scene comes totally out of left field, but becomes even worse when the rape victim seems to stop struggling and accept her aggressor's advances because, quote, this is a curse or he is cursed or something along those lines. Um, oh, I just love you and I think that I'll just, I'll bear your burden for you. Her character, something like that. Yeah, I, I mean, it. I don't know. It's it's hard for me to dwell on this too much because it, I'm I'm feeling. And you, and, and you have a problem with that? The rage is boiling. <laughs> He's turning green. Um, so her character attempts to to justify her victimization even further in the final episode when she tells Haruto that she is a pop idol and has been part of this dirty adult world for a while and is used to such things. So whether or not she's being honest with Haruto, her character attempts the, to right the wrong of her sexual assault by comparing it to what the audience can only assume is consensual sex that she's been participating in in her so-called dirty adult world. However, at least they're not related. Could I could I argue a fact? Sure. That it going from that that maybe she has been a victim before and it's one of those victim things where she's trying to justify in a way she's trying to justify it to herself in a way that doesn't like you know how rape victims will sometimes say well I shouldn't have been drinking I shouldn't have gone there I shouldn't have worn that I shouldn't 
and they mm-hmm. try to make it them mm-hmm. or or okay because they can't they don't know how to handle it. Uh, I, I I I can't abide it because that kind of naivety in the character. So I mean, I really I I don't care I don't care who wrote this into the series. Although we can look at the credits and we we can know we can figure it out who wrote this into the series. I don't care how naive Saki is or whether or not she feels like she needs to justify it because that's her way of coping with it. I just can't abide the irresponsible writing. And because as, that's what it is. And at the moment where Cram is talking about his rage of I of of how how uh, how he's raging about this rape, we are literally having an earthquake and I believe that it is due to Cram's rage. It is. We are having an earthquake. How about that? And it's not it's not Your a, mom's downstairs. It's not a small earthquake either. My mom's downstairs probably freaking out. Oh my god! My oh my god! Oh my god! What's happening? Let's pause on oh the rape god. real quick. <laughs> <laughs> this is a long earthquake. It's still That's going. Pretty long. I did. I did this, guys. I feel so proud. Offshore Miyagi Prefecture. It's still going. Yeah, it is. Six point two magnitude at its epicenter. Wow. Oh my! It was a max of, of four here. Is that it's on still, land? It's still kind of going. No, it was offshore. I feel I feel a little dizzy. Is that normal? Yeah, it happens. I feel a little well, dizzy. Probably actually. because it's still shaking a little. Back to the rape. <laughs> I oh man. So you need to calm down, Graham. You need to calm it. The I mean, to me, this is just irresponsible writing, and I, you know, this is not to say that rape has no place in a narrative. It's a terrible, powerful thing that can conjure equally potent emotions in the audience. But mishandling such a thing can cause the audience to turn on your story and that's exactly what it did to me before that moment in the story the one adjective I would have used to describe the the series was fun and to be as succinct as I possibly can rape isn't fun it doesn't belong in the story yeah I would I would say that's true so you know shame on you sunrise that's all I have to say shame on you Do you want to know who does rape correctly as correct as it can be <laughs> now and then here and there yeah, I, I they use see, that it doesn't, properly. Yeah, exactly, it doesn't bother me there. It doesn't bother me. I mean, it bothers me in Perfect Blue, but not uh, in the way that it's supposed to bother me. Yeah. Can, can can I just say that I feel that the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast is probably the only anime podcast that has ever delivered a live earthquake. And we've done it a few times. What though. a service! Two or three, something like that. Um, you know, aside from such a huge misstep, Valve Rave manages to entertain throughout. And it establishes a you know sufficient anticipation for its second season that is coming this October, and here's hoping that they leave the rape out of it this time. You know, there's some interesting uh, story elements that that they've brought to the show. Uh, you know, there's a there's a time skip in the middle of the series where you see uh, the Saki character like two hundred something years later, and she's still piloting her valve rave, and it's you know you're like oh holy shit what is this? And there's a sequel coming. Yeah, so um, I'm I am I am excited for the sequel most definitely. Uh, so I'm going to have to give it three and a half pissed off crams out of five. No, no, no. Three and a half cram quakes out of five. Oh, I like it. Okay. So, but here's a, here's, here's a quick question. Let's pretend for one moment that the, that the rape never happened. What does the show give you get? Or that they may have handled it better. Um, I honestly don't think like as much as I think the rape is irresponsible writing, uh, it's so ineffectual. Um, I don't, I don't know that it would change my score. Okay. I don't think it would. Fair enough. All right. Well, that need, was exciting. You need to rage more often. Yeah. That was that was one of the bigger earthquakes I've experienced since since I've been here. Yeah. 
his his raging is connected to the rage of the <laughs> earth. That I just hulked out. That one shook for about forty seconds. Yeah, it's pretty long. It was a six. There was a six point two at its episode. Was it six point two? Was it on land? No, no it, was it, it was a four. Thank goodness. It was a four here. You see some destruction. A six point two can mess some stuff up. All right. So that was episode one eighty eight of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Good episode, boys. You can find us at aapodcast.com, iTunes. Don't forget to drop us a rating on iTunes. We're reading five-star ratings on the show. Facebook.com forward slash Animatics Anonymous Podcast. Give us a like on Facebook and stay up to date with all of our show news. And if time's changing and stuff from Japan and you can join in that discussion. And Twitter.com forward slash Podcast, where you can happily retweet all of our fun Japan thoughts and comments unfiltered as we just put them in that 150 character box and send them out into the universe. Don't forget Ustream.tv live at 9.30 p.m. EST where we are broadcast for you and your enjoyment. But if you can remember aapodcast.com, you can find links to all of those other places. Thank you, those of you who joined us on Ustream. This is why we do the live show, and it's that much more enjoyable to have you with us. Thanks, guys. It's fun talking with you. Taking us out tonight is the song Bloodholic from the anime Blood Lad by the artist Yuka Nandi. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next week. See everyone. Bye-bye. Now that the show is over, don't forget to sign up for your free trial of Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus lets you binge on thousands of hit shows anytime, anywhere, on your TV, PC, smartphone, or tablet. Support this podcast and get an extended free trial of Hulu Plus when you go to HuluPlus.com forward slash anime. That's HuluPlus.com forward slash anime.